one of the busiest Metro Detroit medical centers does uh, tattoo removal procedures for anywhere from 80 to 100 people per week who suffer from what experts call tattoo regret. I want you to see these two examples of cringeworthy tattoos that probably need some tattoo removal, including the young man who says he has no regrets. <laughs> Thank you. This morning, we're going to let Jonah speak to us about dealing with regrets, and more importantly, about the God of second chances. We're going to learn from Jonah's example here in chapter 3 the answers to six questions that will enable us to start over with God in any area of our lives where we have walked our own way or done our own thing instead of walking with God and doing His will. And I trust that, like me, you want to do God's will in 2015. And the wonderful thing, the amazing thing, is that by God's grace and power through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, we can have a walk with God in 2015. The Savior Himself will enable us to move beyond our past regrets and find forgiveness and usefulness again in the present and in the future. So the first question we want to consider this morning from Jonah chapter 3 is, why does God give second chances? First thing I want you to know this morning is, God is not required, I'll say that word again, required to give anyone a second chance. He doesn't have to do that. He chooses to give us second chances when we blow it. How do I know that? Look again at verse 1. Chapter 3. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. The second time. We know from chapter 1 what happened when the word of the Lord came to Jonah the first time. Chapter 1, verse 1, if you want to just flip back there, it's pretty simple. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Jonah did not respond to that first time call with a hearty, Yes, God, I'll do it. Quite the contrary. Verse 2 says he rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. What Jonah may have not understood then is that you can't disappear from the presence of God. God is everywhere. And He sees all and He knows all. And He knows where Jonah is and He knows where you are and where I am and why we're there as well. King David of Israel wrote a wonderful psalm, Psalm 139 in our Bibles, in which he expresses the truth that you can't really run from God, but then why would you? I want you to hold your finger in Jonah chapter 3 and turn back to Psalm 139 just for a moment because I want you to see, rather than just have me read, what David wrote. Psalm 139. 139. 
Listen to what David asks by way of questions. And then notice with me his awakened awareness of God's purpose in his life. Start at verse 7 with me. He says, he asks, Where can I go from thy spirit? Or where can I flee from thy presence? If I ascend to heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in Sheol, the abode of the dead, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea. There's a good connection to Jonah, isn't it? In the remotest part of the sea, even there thy hand will lead me and thy right hand will lay hold of me. A question we might have at this point is, why does God even bother with runaways? David or Jonah or you or me. Why does He even bother? David has the answer in verse 13. Notice it. For thou didst form my inward parts. Thou didst weave me in my mother's womb. I give thanks to thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Answer? God pursues runaways. God uses runaways. God gives a second chance because He made us. And He made us for a purpose. We're not just here on planet earth to exist and spend X number of years just living. We're here for a purpose, a God-ordained purpose. So David goes on to say, Wonderful are thy works, and my soul knows it very well. And then in verse 17, he responds to the truth the way we all ought to respond as well. The truth that God won't leave me or ever give up on me. Verse 17, How precious also are thy thoughts to me, O God! How vast is the sum of them! It's awesome to think about how good God is. How gracious He is. How willing He is to use runaways. To give people like Jonah and you and me second chances. Jonah should have thought about that before he walked his own way in rebellion. And by the way, we already know, we've learned already that Jonah knew something of the Psalms. He quotes them in his prayer in chapter 2, as we saw last time together. And we should give some deep thought as well to that truth that God knows us intimately. And God has a plan for our lives. And whether we're walking with God now as we should and can, or whether we are going in another direction and in need of a second chance, We need to know today and hang on to the truth that God created me and has a purpose for my life. And that I'm never really far away from God. And God can and will give me a second chance. Why? For two main reasons. First of all, because He's a God of grace. Why would God give Jonah a second chance? He's a God of grace. The word grace means, in its root meaning, a gift. And it's a gift from God to a person who's rebelled and gone their own way for God to say, I'm going to give you another chance. He doesn't have to do that. It's an act of grace. And then secondly, the reason God gives people second chances is because He has a plan for our lives. He could have used someone other than Jonah, couldn't He? Right from the start. But He chose Jonah. And then when Jonah said, I'm going my way, I'm not going God's way, God could have said, alright, forget Jonah, I'm going to use somebody else. 
But he didn't do that. Why? Because God had a plan to use Jonah, not someone else, Jonah, to take that message to the people of Nineveh. And he extended grace to this wayward prophet, just like we'll see in the next couple of weeks, his extended grace to the people of Nineveh. That leads us to a second question. Who gets such a chance? Well, here in Jonah 3, it's obvious. Jonah got the second chance. But I want to give you a a statement that comes right from my heart and from the experience that I've had with many of God's people and in my own life. Here's the statement. You want to write it down if you can? God can reuse those who once refused. God can reuse those who once refused. That's what He did with Jonah. He used him again, even though he'd walked away in rebellion. Remember, he walked away from God's call. He headed 2,000 miles in the opposite direction of where God wanted him to go. He experienced a life-threatening storm while he was on a ship headed for Tarshish. A storm that his own wayward rebellion brought and put his life and the life of the sailors on the cargo ship at risk. He was tossed overboard. He found himself drowning in the Mediterranean Sea. He cried out to God to spare his life. And God chose to do just that. God appointed a great fish who swallowed up Jonah and kept him alive for three days. Now he's back on dry land, breathing fresh air. And this time he's ready to do what God says and to give the message to the Assyrian people of Nineveh that he was supposed to give. We need to know two things about this God of the second chance. First, and this is very important, He doesn't give everyone a second chance. I want to give you a New Testament illustration of that statement. It's a married couple named Ananias and Sapphira. We read their story in Acts 5. We won't turn there this morning for the sake of time. You can read it for yourselves, but I'll give you the gist of the story. Many of the people, uh, believers in the city of Jerusalem, were selling property and selling other belongings of theirs and giving the money to the apostles to use for the support of the less fortunate. That's a great thing. People like Barnabas and others were doing just that, selling tracts of land, pieces of property, bringing the money to the apostles and saying, here, use this wherever it's needed. Ananias and Sapphira thought, hey, we should get in on that. These guys, these people are getting great pats on the back. They're getting all kinds of praises in the worship service on Sundays. Let's do it. But they had conspired together to sell a piece of property And then out of the amount they got from it, they gave only part of it to the church. They didn't have to give any of it. It was their property. They could have kept all the money. But they gave a part of it to the apostles, but told the apostles, that's all that we got for it. This whole amount, this is it. They lied. And the apostle Peter got on their case. How is it that you could lie to the Holy Spirit. And immediately they dropped dead. 
husband and wife. They didn't get a second chance. And I don't understand all of God's purposes for doing what He did with that husband and wife team. He certainly knew their hearts, and I believe God knew that they weren't a bit sorry for what they did. And that may be why they lost their lives. They took the glory to themselves for a tainted gift that they'd made to the church. And that may be exactly why their fate was what it was. But here come two lessons from Jonah in the Old Testament and Ananias and Sapphira in the New Testament. First, don't presume on God's grace. That is, don't say to yourself, God has to be good to me. He has to show me grace even if I continue to persist in my sin. Uh Uh-uh. The New Testament book of 1 John, chapter 5, talks about a sin unto death. And John even says about that sin, which I believe is the sin of a rebellious spirit. I'm going to do what I want to do, and I don't care what anybody thinks, including God. If that's our attitude, God can take our life like that. He has that right. And John even says in 1 John 5, don't pray for that person about that. If that's their attitude, God will take care of it. That's strong stuff. Very strong stuff. So don't presume on God's grace. If He gives you and me a second chance, thank you, Lord. I'll take it. I'll do what you want me to do. And I'll praise you and give you all the glory. Second, don't negotiate with God when that second chance comes. Don't tell God how you're going to do it. He tells Jonah and He tells us how to do it. He says here in chapter 3, Go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it, notice, the proclamation I'm going to tell you. Jonah, this time I'm saying go to Nineveh and I'll give you the message to give to them. I'll tell you what to say. Do it my way. So instead of negotiating, kneel in humble submission. God, I'll do what you want. God, I'm going to do it your way. Just think how it would have been if Jonah had tried to negotiate with God. If he said something like this, God, I'm ready to give your message to people. But could it maybe be the people of Joppa instead of Nineveh? You know, the people in Joppa need God too, right? How about that, Lord? Or, God, what if I don't actually go to the city of Nineveh, but out of my own resources I pay to have your message printed on the front page of the Nineveh Nightly News? And they can all read it and respond however. No, don't negotiate with God when a second chance comes. Take it as a gracious gift from Him and handle it with care. Which takes us to our third question. How do I fulfill what God wants? For Jonah, the answer to that question meant simply obedience. Obedience. 
people, some, some people today don't like that word. Obedience. Don't tell me what to do. Okay. But God can. He has that right. And notice what Jonah did. Verse 3 of our current chapter. Chapter 3, verse 3. So Jonah arose and went. Boom. He did what God asked him to do. He was given a chance to redo what God told him to do initially, to preach to the people of Nineveh. And he took that chance. Verse 4 gives us his very short, right-to-the-point message. Yet 40 days and Nineveh will be destroyed. In the Hebrew, which is what Jonah spoke, is four words. 40 days, Nineveh destroyed. (laughs) Four words. He walked around the city saying that over and over. Now, he may have said other things too. God may have given him a much more detailed message than that. But that's the essence of his message. Forty days, Nineveh, gone. But he did what God asked him to do. He gave them a message from the Lord. As I worked on this message over the past week or so, I kept thinking about the opportunity for do-overs that God gives us. And I started thinking about words that start with the letters R-E, as in redo. If you're a Scrabble player, you can look in a Scrabble dictionary or online and find literally hundreds of words. Nine letters on down that start with R-E. I want to give you seven R-E words found in the Bible, not in the Scrabble dictionary, found in the Bible that relate to this question of how to fulfill what God wants me to do with my life as He gives me another chance in 2015. I'll expand briefly on each one. Here we go. If you want to write these words down, you can think about them yourself in a more expanded way. The first word is receive. Receive that that gift of a second chance. Receive it as just that, a grace gift from God. Receive it. Don't reject it. To reject it is potentially to seal your doom. Receive it. The next word, rejoice. Express to God how thrilled you are that He's willing to use you again even though you said no before or you blew it before. Rejoice. Thirdly, repent. I'll talk more about repentance next week as we look at what happened to the whole city of Nineveh in response to that powerful short message. They got right with God. But to repent basically means to change your ways. Change your attitude, change your ways. Fourth, release. And what I mean by that is release any bitterness you might have about why, God, did you let me go through all of that? Why, God, did I have to spend all this time in this other situation? Release that. Let it go. Jonah could have been very stubborn and say, God, um, why'd you let me get on that ship? 
Why did, why did you let me uh, uh, go experience that storm? And, and uh, all those other guys' lives were put at risk. He knew why. And I think so many times we do too. But just let it go. Release it. Tell God, I'm sorry. Claim His forgiveness and grace and go on. And then remember. That's the next word. Remember. Remember how good God has been to you all your life long. There's not one person in this room or on this planet who could honestly say, God, you've never been good to me. Not one. He is a good God. Remember that. And then reverence Him. Honor Him. Give Him the glory for that second chance. Revere Him. That means to fear Him for being the awesome God that He is. Not cowering in fear in a corner. But a reverence. A holy awe of who God is and how good He is. And then the final is redeem. Redeem the time. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16 says, Therefore, be careful how you walk. We're talking about walking with God in 2015. Be careful how you walk. Not as unwise men, but as wise. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Some translations, including the New American Standard, say, make the most of every opportunity. It's a good way to express that word, redeem. Make the most of every opportunity. So when opportunity comes for a second chance, where will it take us? That's our fourth question. Where will it take me? It took Jonah to the suburbs and the downtown streets of Nineveh, a huge city in those days. Our text, notice it, says in the end of verse 3, it was an exceedingly great city, a three days walk. What that means, by the way, I believe, and many expositors agree with this, it means that it probably was about a 60 mile in circumference metropolis with suburbs, not just a downtown, but with some suburbs. So it would have taken three days to walk around the circumference of the city. Jonah walks into it about a day's journey, gets about to downtown right in the center, and begins to proclaim his message. Forty days, Nineveh destroyed. Nineveh was a city, we believe, at that time, of probably 500,000 to 600,000 people. Jonah made his way around the city and the suburbs and even to the palace of the king, the Assyrian White House. And the king got right with God. Probably the greatest revival in the history of man on that day. Notice verse 5. The people of Nineveh believed in God. The great evangelists of the world, including our present day, now very aged Billy Graham, have never had that kind of success. Over a half million converts in one day. Why did Jonah have that chance? Because he took the second chance that God gave him. He's now headed in the right direction, this once rebellious prophet. He's no longer headed his prideful, selfish way. He's headed God's way. 
When I think about our prideful, selfish ways, I think about driving a car over rough terrain, potholes, chuck holes, bumping into the curbs, not being real careful in our steering, and then finding out that our car doesn't track very straight anymore. So now I've got to take it to someone and get an alignment so it'll track straight again. I think many of us need an alignment spiritually with God. Back on the straight and narrow. Going God's way, not our own way. Country singer Carrie Underwood had a song a number of years ago that became very popular called Jesus Take the Wheel. And here are the words to the chorus. Jesus, take the wheel. Take it from my hands because I can't do this on my own. I'm letting go. So give me one more chance. Save me from this road I'm on, Jesus. Take the wheel. That's a good word picture for us today. Jesus taking the wheel. He knows how to drive. He's good at it. He likes being in control. And I mean that in a very positive way, every positive way that it can mean it. He loves being in control. Because it means the best for you and me when He's in control. So our fifth question is, what will God do if I submit to Him? And here's a statement for you that you might want to jot in your notes. God's purpose is to repurpose the repentant. God's purpose is to repurpose the repentant. He will use us to the full. He'll make us effective for Him. Again, verse 5 at the start of the verse, there were results from Jonah doing what God said. Over a half million people getting right with God. God used this second chance prophet with his four-word sermon to bring a whole city to Himself in childlike faith. From the king on down. That was the result. That's what God did through Jonah submitting to God's will. God will fulfill His purpose in those who take His second chances seriously. I want to use seven more RE words about God this time that express the answer to this key question. Six of them are right from the Bible. I want you to know that. The other one is the word reuse, which isn't a biblical word, but it's a biblical concept. The first thing God will do is receive us. He'll receive the repentant person. He'll take us back. He'll give us a second chance. His arms are wide open. He's not standing like this, as it were. Get away from me. I don't want you. I don't need you. No. He's saying, come. Come unto me, Jesus said, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest. Receive. He will receive us. Secondly, He will rescue us. He will rescue us from the disasters that we've made. Not that all the consequences of our decisions to be rebellious and go our own way are are going to be taken care of. Some of those consequences are still going to be around. But He will rescue us 
from the disaster that we have created. That is, He'll make something good out of it. Something good will come from it if we're willing to submit to Him. Thirdly, He'll reckon. R-E-C-K-O-N. He'll reckon. What I mean by that is that He will reckon us right with Him through His Son, Jesus Christ. He will reckon us to be right with Him. And we then can reckon on the fact that we are right with God. That our sins are forgiven. That we're on the right road. He'll also, fourthly, restore. He'll restore us to a position of usability. He'll restore us to a place where we can now serve Him well without hindrances in the way, like sin. He'll restore us. And then He will reuse us. One of the buzzwords on the internet these days is the word repurpose. I quoted it earlier in a statement that I wrote, God's purpose is to repurpose the repentant. But that's a big buzzword on the internet. Uh, You can go on a number of websites where they urge you to take products that maybe otherwise would just be thrown out in the dump and give them a new purpose. An example might be uh, to use some wooden pallets for a fence or a compost bin or some kind of furniture, rustic though it might look. Repurpose it. God doesn't necessarily change the purpose for our lives, but what He does do is He changes you and me to fit His purpose so that He can restore us and reuse us. And then sixthly, He will remain. Oh, how glad we should be for that. He will never leave us or forsake us. He will remain right by our side. We can walk, as it were, hand in hand with Him, spiritually speaking. And He'll always be there as we seek to do what He's asked us to do. And then finally, He will reward us. He rewards faithful service. The Bible is full of those statements. He is a God who rewards faithful service. And He will do it for you and me. The sixth and final question is this. As we're thinking about walking with God in 2015, thinking about taking this second chance that God offers many of us, the question is, when do I start? I mentioned this before, but I'll repeat it here. Jonah did not negotiate different terms with God for this reassignment. He didn't say, I'll be happy to do what you ask, Lord, but I need a little time. You know, I was in that fish for three days. I'm out here on the beach now. There's no hose. I can't hose off. I smell bad. My clothes are ruined. I'm thinking maybe I need a few days to go to the local hotels as close by as I can find and get cleaned up and rest for a few... No, he doesn't negotiate. It just says in this passage, he arose and went and proclaimed the message God gave him. My point simply is that he did what God said immediately. 
That's a key word in the Gospel of Mark, by the way. If you want to do an interesting study, study, discover the number of times you'll see the word immediately in the Gospel of Mark about Jesus' ministry, about people's response to His ministry over and over and over again. Immediately. That's the best way to respond to a second chance offer from God. Immediately. Second Corinthians 6.2 says, Now is the accepted time. Behold, today is the day of salvation. Application? Don't wait. Take advantage of the second chance now while you have the opportunity. I had the privilege of growing up in a Christian home. Many of you know that. You may not know that my dad, though he was not an ordained minister, did a lot of preaching. And one of the places he preached on a regular basis, sometimes twice a month, but at least once a month for years, was at the Kalamazoo Gospel Mission, a street mission right downtown. Still going. It's an expanded ministry from back then. But I would go with my dad. I was the song leader. And my dad would do the preaching. And then when I was a senior in high school, we flipped that around. And I preached a couple of times and my dad led the singing. And I remember going there year after year after year, month after month after month. And there were some of those men who came there. All they wanted was food. The director of the mission, Jake Hildebrand, had a rule. You have to sit through the church service before you can go to the kitchen and have food. And these men would come night after night after night. We learned from other ministers in the area who'd go on other nights. And they'd come all those years, all those times. Some of them, if you totaled it up, were there 365 nights a year for years and never responded to the gospel and died not knowing Jesus Christ. How sad. Don't wait. We've often heard that expression, there's no time like the present. I sometimes like to switch that around. I preached a sermon on this years ago, entitled it this way, there's no present like the time. There's no better way to give God a gift back for His gifts to us than to give Him the time now to do what He wants us to do. And we can walk hand in hand with Him into a bright future of opportunity and service. A veteran Buffalo, New York police officer found a handwritten note on the ice along with a brown wallet and a baseball cap with an ink pen stuck through it. The note was short and right to the point. Please tell my parents I'm sorry. A 48-year-old man in a thin blue jacket on a cold March afternoon had secured that note to the ice and waded into the 33-degree river. Not just any river, the Niagara River, right where the falls go over. The average depth right there is 16 feet. It flows at 20 miles an hour. He was overwrought with massive gambling debts on both sides of the falls, American and Canadian. And somehow... Someone spotted him because just about 4.30 that afternoon, someone saw him from the Canadian side. Just before he went over the 170-foot falls, he was able to wedge his legs beneath a rock on the ledge. Sergeant Patrick Moriarty saw him and began the rescue effort. 
Helicopter attempts to drop a safety ring failed. Police estimate that there's an average of one suicide at Niagara Falls every month. For every successful attempt, many more have second thoughts. But few people get a second chance. This man did. That afternoon, he was pulled up the steep icy bank in the arms of a firefighter. And over and over and over, he kept saying, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I don't know what I would do if someone lost their life on account of me. Few of us will ever be put in a situation to help somebody that desperate. But we might be surprised to find out how many people around us are just that desperate. They're right on the edge. No, not the edge of the Niagara Falls, but they might as well be. Nobody has spotted them yet. Nobody probably knows all the details, all the regrets. But these people just feel like they can't keep going. They don't know if anybody cares, but here's the truth. God does. Amen? God cares. And with God, they can have another chance. Anyone who wants it can have another chance. If they really want it. Why? Because Jesus is the one who gave His life. Not lost His life, gave His life on account of you and me. The final R-E word I want to use this morning as we wrap up this message is respond. God invites you and me to respond to His grace today. First, there may be someone here who doesn't know Jesus as Savior. You've played the game, you've gone to church, you've been religious, but you don't know Jesus as Savior. God invites you to receive His free gift of salvation, new life in Christ. You may have heard the Gospel before, like some of those men at the mission. But today is the day of salvation. The the Apostle Paul makes it very clear in 1 Corinthians 15 what the Gospel is. He says in verse 1 of that chapter, I make known to you, brethren, the Gospel which I preach to you. And then in verses 3 and 4, he spells out the particulars. For I delivered to you as of first importance. This is more important than anything anyone could ever know. Ever. Of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures and that He was buried and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That is the Gospel. The Gospel is not a religion. It's not a church. It's not a building. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, who came purposely so that you and I could be right with Him forever. He died on a cross. And yes, He really did die. He was buried. But then He rose again the third day in victory. And that rising again proved that everything He said about Himself was true. But more than that, as a living Savior, He's able to offer you and me that gift, that grace gift of eternal life. It's ours for the taking, by faith. We can't see it. We can read about it in the Word of God. We can take it by faith. 
And so we should. How foolish it would be to pass that up. It's possible for a person to be eternally condemned who rejects it. So how important it is to receive it. To get that second chance. Respond to that offer of new life. God's giving you a chance today. Today. To receive it. Another way to respond is to thank God for giving you already a second chance. Some of you have been down that road. And you've been given a second chance and now you're grateful. How many of you, if you don't mind raising your hands if this is true of you, how many of you are like that? God gave you a second chance and you're experiencing it now. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's the kind of God He is. I'd love to hear all of your stories. Finally, it may be this morning that you need to reach out and take that second chance from God right now. Right now. It may be uh, a second chance to get past those regrets. The regret of some sin that you committed that left a mark on you. And I don't mean a physical mark, but a mark in your soul and in your mind. Or it left a mark on those you love. It may be a time to move beyond an addiction that has kept you defeated and kept you from serving the Lord and fulfilling His call. It could be that it's some moral failure that you've struggled with and you feel so awful because you did that. And you know you need forgiveness and you want to get past that terrible regret and you want that second chance. It might be that your second chance has to do with making something right between you and someone else that you offended or hurt. It might be that your marriage needs a second chance. So many do. To be the kind of marriage God wants it to be. It may be that you know of a time down deep in your heart when God spoke to you about ministry, about serving in the church, or about being a missionary, or some other kind of full-time ministry, and you said no. And today you need a second chance. I want to invite you to do something very visual and very practical, and that's where that small slip of paper comes in. I want to invite you today to take that small slip of paper, if this is true of you, that you want and need a second chance, and you're claiming that second chance today, to just write one or maybe two words on that slip of paper that describe what your need is. Addiction, uh, serving, I missed that chance, uh, to serve God. might be the word salvation. It might be the word marriage. Whatever it is, you know what it is. Write that on that slip of paper. Fold it in half. And right now, come up and stick it in this basket. It's not going to have your name on it. Nobody's going to know what's on there except for those who pray in our prayer room on a regular basis. They will pray for you. They won't know your name, but God does. Amen? I invite you to come right now and put them in that basket. We'd love to pray for you about taking that second chance. Thank you, Tyler.
Come right now. In just a moment, we're going to sing a closing song. going to ask God to change our hearts. He calls Himself the potter and we're the clay and He wants to mold us and make us His way, the right way, the best way. But I invite you in a practical way to put those in that box and we'll pray for you in the weeks ahead. And we'll see what God will do with those second chances. I believe He's going to do some awesome things in our lives. Many are coming forward. Thank you. God bless you. A second chance. While they're coming, let's sing together. Change my heart, O God. Change my heart, O God, make it ever true. Change my heart, O God, may I be like You. Sing that again. Change my heart, O God, make it ever true. Change my heart, O God, may I be like You. You are the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me, this is what I Change my heart, O God, make it ever true. Change my heart, O God, may I be like You. I want to thank You so much for being here this morning. I trust God will bless you in a powerful way this week as you use that second chance. He'll do great things for you. I know He will. I'm excited to see what will happen. Have a great week. We'll look forward to seeing you next Sunday as we worship together again here in God's house. Amen. Thank you.